0: In the name of Jesus, amen. Dear Saints, this is our final midweek Advent service. And so far we've discussed and focused on what we should be doing now in life as Christians. And what we're to expect on the last day. Well, tonight we consider the final part, eternity. In other words, we focus on the final words of the creed where we confess these things. I look for the resurrection of the dead. And the life of the world to come. Amen. So to do this, I'm going to break up the sermon into three points. Uh, The first point is this. When we say that we look for the resurrection and so on, we're saying that it is our hope. Now, we oftentimes use the word hope in a way that the Bible doesn't. So uh, when we use the word hope, the majority of the time we mean wish. Right. So if we want something to happen, we'll say, look, well, I hope it happens. Uh, that's what I want to happen. But I'm not sure if it will. I wish that were the case. So that's my hope. Right? So I, I'll hear Christians talk this way about salvation or eternal life. And I'll say something like this. I'll say, look, God forgives you. Uh, he loves you and he will save you. And their response uh, many times is, well, I hope so. I hope that's the case. And what they mean by that is, I want that to be the case, but I'm just going to have to wait and see if that's how it's going to play out. When we use the word hope uh, in our parlance, we mean that we are uncertain. This is not the Christian understanding of hope. For the Christian, hope is certainty. It means that you know it will happen... But you simply have to wait for it to happen. Uh, To have hope is to be patient because we can't see it. Uh, So Romans chapter 8 says, For who hopes for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. And this is what Hebrews 11 says. It says, Faith is the assurance of things hoped for. The assurance of things hoped for. The conviction of things unseen. We know that heaven is certain for us precisely because it does not depend upon us to get there. It depends upon Christ the Lord. Romans chapter 10 says, Everyone who believes in him, that is in Jesus, will never be put to shame. When your faith is in Jesus, you will not be discouraged. You simply believe the promise he made. So when the Christian says, look, I look for, I hope in the resurrection of the dead and life of the world to come. He's not saying, well, I hope that this happens. I I want it to happen, but I'm not sure if it will. When he says, no, that yes, that is my hope. He's saying that this is the only thing, this is going to happen. And this is the only thing that's getting me through this veil of tears right now, through this valley of the shadow of death. The fact that I know that all of my troubles and sorrows will come to an end is the thing that is giving me motivation to keep going. So I just have to wait a little while. I just have to endure a few more things before I see it. So this is the first thing we make note of. When we look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come, it is our hope, meaning we stake our entire eternal life on this. Now, the second thing is this, that the goal, the very goal of the Christian life, is not to simply die and go to heaven. That's not the goal of the Christian life. Uh, This is not the telos or the goal or the completion of the Christian life, to be disembodied spirits floating around in heaven. The goal of the Christian life is to resurrect from the dead. It is not to die and go to heaven, but it is to have this body again. Uh, the word "resurrection" in Greek is Anastasis, uh, where we get the name Anastasia, and it means literally to stand up again. When your body is laid down in death, you are waiting for the moment when it will stand on its two feet again. Now, uh, this is the goal of the Christian life. This is what you are working towards. This is what Christ uh, came to do is to get you to walk out of the tomb, to walk out of the grave. God cares about your flesh. He cares about your body more uh, more often uh, than we do. Our bodies belong to him and we use our bodies according to his will. He created the material world and he called it good. He knit our bodies together in our mother's wombs. In Christmas, he took on flesh and he redeemed our bodies with the blood in his veins. The Holy Spirit dwells in your body right now. As his temple. So, we should treat our bodies as property of God, as things that are to be treated with dignity and respect, not filling them with sin and every lust and every uh, sort of uh, sexual immorality or uh, filth. Rather, uh, we're to respect the body that God gave us because it belongs to him. Uh, In funerals, we gently and carefully and reverently place the Christian body in a tomb to await the resurrection. Burying our dead, our loved ones, is a uh, loving practice that we see even throughout all of uh, Scripture and church history. So, uh, with all of this being said, God cares for our bodies so much that he will not leave them in the grave. He will not leave them there for all eternity. He will not let death uh, destroy your body completely. Christ has destroyed death. So uh, when we look at the definition of death, theologically, the definition of death is the separation of the soul from the body. That is what death is according to the Bible, according to God. Uh, and that's what it means to die. So if Christ came to destroy death, what does that mean? He came to destroy this separation. That is, he came to reunite the body and the soul Back together, what death does he came to undo? Now, uh, notice this in the creed. This is something we oftentimes say, and we maybe gloss over or pass by so quickly. We don't meditate on these words. We say the, we believe in the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. In that order, meaning our our eternal life will be in those resurrected bodies. We don't oftentimes picture eternal life this way, but this is what we believe. This is what it it means to be a Christian. The same bodies you have right now, the same flesh that God created and redeemed and sanctifies right now, the same body that is sitting in the pew right now, you will have that body glorified without sin in the resurrection, Imagine that the same flesh, the same eyes, the same face, the same skin, all of the same hair. This is the same thing that you will see in the resurrection in, in a glorified way. Now, this is exactly what Job said uh, in the Old Testament. In Job chapter 19, he says this uh, after he loses his family and suffers all these great things. He says this, I know that my Redeemer lives and that in the end, He will stand on the earth, and after my skin has been destroyed, yet in my flesh, my flesh, he says, I will see God. I myself will see him with my own eyes. I and not another. In other words, we will be with one another again in our bodies, even as we are now. Okay, now the third point is this, that our eternal life is going to be bliss. It is going to be joy beyond measure, beyond comparison. Uh, In fact, I have a hard time figuring out how to even talk about this. Uh, It's not just me who has a hard time, but St. Paul says it. Uh, St. Paul saw, he got a glimpse of what this eternal life would be like. And this is what he says. Romans chapter 8, he says, I consider that the sufferings of this present time All of the sufferings, all of the murder, all of the sadness, all of the sorrow, all of the the horrible things you happen happen to see in this life. He says, all of these things are not even worth comparing to the glory that is to be revealed in us. Uh, Colossians chapter 3 says, When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with Him in glory. And 1 Peter chapter 4 says, Rejoice that you share in the sufferings of Christ so that you may be overjoyed at the revelation of his glory. And finally, uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 4 says, For our light affliction, this is this entire life, this light affliction, which is but for a moment, works for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. Alright, so that's what eternal life is going to look like. That's what eternity is going to look like. Now, I'm quoting all of this because sometimes I hear people say, uh, well, what are we going to do with eternal life? (laughs) Um, Isn't that a little bit long? Uh, Won't we get bored? I don't want to live that long or forever. I mean, what, what, what do we do without end? Now, I think the reason people have these concerns about eternal life is because they are comparing this brief life of sin to eternal life. And, and so people think this, look, if there's, if there's not going to be any sin in the resurrection, then what fun is it going to be? Right? What, what fun is it going to... What, what, what am I going to do for all eternity? That's all I'm used to. That's all I do in this body is sin. I, I, I fail. I have trouble. And so what's, gonna, what's eternal life going to be like? Well, uh, if this is your thought, then you're gravely mistaken about sin. Uh, and you don't know how terrible it is. Uh, because all of the bad things in this life are a result of sin and death. And guilt. Think about this. Do any sins bring any lasting or meaningful joy to your life? Any of them. Does being discontent and coveting for eternity sound fun? Uh, does being lied to and being slandered about make you feel good? Does being robbed uh, make you content? Does having your heart break from adultery... Or the guilt of immorality? Or does the pain of murder and war sound good? Does mourning the loss of loved ones sound like a good time? All of these things are the things that we hate in this world. If you've been hurt, it's because somebody broke the Ten Commandments, one of the Ten Commandments against you. If you've hurt somebody, it's because you have broken one of the Ten Commandments against Somebody. So, do you think that eternal life is going to be worse without these things, without sin? Do do you think eternal life will be boring because there is no sin? No, uh, it, it, it's sin. That, that these are the things that are boring. Now, let me say this. All of the good things in this life are from God. So all of the things you search for, you long for, you yearn for are gifts from God, the things that you love. So the good times that you have with your family, no matter how much or little that might be right now, the good times that you can remember, that is what will endure. Uh, The joy that you have in, in seeing nature in seeing the world, that will endure Reading or writing or talking or singing or music or uh, uh, dancing, um, building things, discovering things, talking, drinking, eating, sleeping, entertainment, all of this and so on. These are the great and glorious blessings from God that will endure forever. Uh, And and the number one complaint we have is that, look, there's just not enough time, right? If I had more time, I'd study more. I'd I'd do more good things. I, I could devote my time to hobbies and other things that I love Now, do you think God will make eternal life worse than this life? Do you think that the life to come will be more boring than this life? He says he'll create a new heaven and a new earth. And what that includes, I'm not sure. Uh, So our animals won't be in the resurrection, sure. But something like animals may be there. uh, Better than what we have now. Uh, There will be new landscapes and new lands, new elements, new seasons, new sounds, new music, uh, new colors, new galaxies, all these sort of things. We can't even exhaust the depths of God's creation now. What will it be like in the life to come? So, with all this being said, cast out of your mind the idea that the resurrection and eternal life will be boring. Cast out of your mind that your body is unimportant or simply a disposable casing for your soul and cast out of your mind the idea that your eternal life is uncertain, uh, that it's something to be unsure about. If your salvation, sure, if your salvation depended upon you, upon what you did with your body, then yes, you would have reason to worry. But your salvation doesn't depend upon what you do with your body. It depends upon Christ and what he did with his. Jesus made himself to have lungs only to give up his breath on the cross for you. He took on veins and blood for the sake of spilling it out for your forgiveness. He took on a heart only to have it stop beating on the cross so that you would have life forever. Your salvation depends upon that little infant. That infant Jesus, the Christ, the child whom the prophets foretold and those of you who put your faith in him will never be put to shame. He will not let you down and he will not fail you and he will not leave you and he will not forsake you. In fact, because of this, your eternal life is more secure and more certain than your life right now. I don't know what's going to happen to you tomorrow, uh, what you're going to go through this month, or what will happen to you sometime down the road later in this life. I don't know how many more days you have left, and you don't either. I don't know when your last hour is. But what I do know, and what you know, is that whenever that last hour comes, Jesus and his holy angels will be right there, ready to receive you and carry you home, to take you to paradise forever. And when that last moment comes, he will let your body sleep in the grave for a moment. And then when he decides the time is right, he will call your body out of the tomb, out of the grave forever. And he will raise all of the dead, and he will reunite you with those who died trusting in him. So don't lose hope. Take heart. Be courageous in this life. Keep looking forward to the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Here are the words of this hymn. <clears throat> Lord, let at last thine angels come to Abram's bosom, bear me home, that I may die unfearing. And in its narrow chamber keep my body safe in peaceful sleep until thy reappearing. And then from death awaken me that these my eyes with joy may see, O Son of God, thy glorious face, my Savior and my fount of grace. Lord Jesus Christ, my prayer attend, my prayer attend, and I will praise thee without end.